Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) The moms are too tired to say and they're like, we are super stoked that you are here today. Such a beautiful day. Inappropriately so. Mother's Day should be beautiful. The weather, uh, it's going to be nice and enjoyable maybe for a... Mid-afternoon Mother's Day nap, something like that, with golf on, because that puts you to sleep, right? It's fun to watch people, but it puts you to sleep. Um, Hey, uh, before we get going here, uh, just want to let you know that we've got a a few things going on. And so uh, this week for Connection Groups, again, all your questions and everything are on your uh, app, and then it'll also be emailed out to you. And then this week, our Be Good Challenge, each week. Off of Proverbs 3.27, if it is within your power uh, to not withhold doing good to whom it is due. So this week, you're challenging. You can see it on the app. And so if you're not in a connection group, you can still participate. But every week, we're trying to challenge ourselves. Like, yeah, if it's in our power, let's do good. And so this week, you're going to look for opportunities of people maybe that are kind of down and out, having a tough day. And we're going to be good by learning to listen and pray. Just listen and pray for them. And don't say, I'll pray for you later. Pray for them now. And then actually listen. And listen, men, here's your Mother's Day gift. Don't give advice. Don't give advice. Just listen. And listening means nodding and then just praying for them. That's all you have to do. I know. Somebody's blowing your mind right now. So, uh, But that's our challenge this week. So I'm looking forward to the sharing on that and seeing the opportunities that God gives us. All right. So for Mother's Day, moms, we have custom gifts for you. So, yes. One is we have a coffee mug that's been made by one of our own, uh, and it says, Bless Mom. And then, of course, we had to do a little promo on it because, you know, we're that kind of a church. We're all about programming and promotion. So that way when you sip, you know, make sure the AC's on the outside, you know. But coffee mug for you to keep you awake, keep you going. Or maybe some of you, coffee's outdated now. Now it's all into teas, you know, all that kind of herbal and putting oils in the tea and all. Whatever you do, whatever you do, you can put it in this mug. And then uh, also we have custom-made cookies for you that they look beautiful, but I told you should eat too. So, But you can take a picture of them. So Miley, thank you for the cookies. Uh, Nancy, thank you for the coffee mugs. So, um, yeah, so it's been – that's going to be your mother's gift. So here's what we're going to do. So everyone gets one, and it doesn't take a long time uh, before I pray for you. Um, If you can come up and you can grab your own – cookie mug and then as you guys come up if you're a a mom or grandma can we give them a round of applause as they come up and grab their gifts so moms they're up here come on up and let's give them a hand pick your cookie pick your mug give them a hand awesome let me go ahead and pray and then children's ministry will be dismissed after uh after i pray so that way you can give the give the huggies on your little ones or you want to embarrass your teenager give them a hug while i'm praying too so Jesus, um, we thank you for the, the roles that you give us. And, and there's a lot of different ones inside the church, outside the church. Um, and within family, uh, for a mom and a dad, it's specific to glorify you. And we thank you that uh, the way you've wired uh, moms, the way they care, the way they sacrifice, uh, the way they serve. Um, uh, God, the way they keep the home going in the right direction. And I just pray for strength for the moms here. 
Lord, I pray that when it gets tiring or when you feel like, it, it, is anything happening that I'm doing here? <laughs> is it producing anything? God, I just pray that you give them the ability to, to keep going in faith, to give them the joy, the perspective of what it's going to be like in 20 years, that their work, the fruit it will produce. God, I pray for the, uh, the husbands that you give them um, the uh, wisdom to encourage the moms as they work, as they pour into the home, as they do different things, Lord. I pray that we would help them to be the best that they can be. God, I lift up those that are uh, single parents right now. Uh, the difficulty of that, that's just absolutely amazing. God, I pray that you give them supernatural strength, that you give them a great team around them, that they would not have to shoulder it themselves. Uh, but we pray that you would give them just extra grace and extra strength as they also, day in, day out, uh, sacrifice the parent, Lord. And, and God, I also just want to lift up, there's some of us here that we want more kids, or for some of us, um, we want Mother's Day, and we want to have kids. God, I pray that you would uh, give us just faith, give us hope, and give us the ability, Lord, to be a mom in different ways, whether it's through adoption, uh, whether it's through just kids that need that motherly love. And so, God, I pray that we would continue just to hold on to that hope of you have plans for us and to look in creative ways uh, to be that. And so, um, God, we just we celebrate you. We thank you, God, for your love that shows us how to continually be faithful, to serve, to love, and to move forward, Lord. And so um, pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. Kids, you are done with the old people. You can head out back with your teachers. And uh, at this time, I'm going to have Justin come up. Ephraim's going to be preaching today. And so uh, we're looking forward to that. But before he does, so as you guys know, we really enjoy having our elders preach. Um, Jose uh, preached a few weeks ago. And uh, I'm going to be getting him up here again, I believe, uh, probably in early June. Justin's been super busy. I'm going to have you jump on that mic so that way we, we don't have to share a mic. There we go. Um, and so we haven't been able to book him to be able to, to preach. Uh, tell us a little bit of what's going on because you got you got something big happening that you've been studying for and just uh, kind of for, for your career. That's why you've been so busy. But tell us a little bit yeah. about what's going on. So uh, – yeah, I've been studying for a promotional test for a while. I had to get uh, at work. I had to get qualified to take it, so I had to go back to school and get my degree. So I did that, and then uh, I think I finished my degree in August, and then went right into studying for for another for the test. And uh, it's next week, by the way. And uh, or it's two weeks or next week? It starts on the 18th. Okay, two weeks. Um, so. But it's been an interesting process along the way because um, it's matured me, I guess, in a lot of ways. So there's there's a couple things that, that I'd like to just talk about, like my whole process that maybe would encourage you guys. Um, been a Christian my whole life, pretty much, right? But when it, when when stuff really comes down to it, it's like, do you trust God, and and how how what does that look like for you? So for me, it was there, there's always been times in my life where yeah I could I could trust God, but then again I can kind of kind of take the reins myself and, and and do it. So was it really God? But what are those times in, in your guys' life and in my life like this one that really I had to let go um, of of control? Um, I'm studying for a, this this test that has a lot of stuff to 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 know, and so I would get up. Um, I had good study habits from school, and so I would get up really early to study before work, and then every day when I came home, study, study, study. Um, and I really had to find um, a 
good balance between um, my family um, and God and studying. And where is my priority there? And so it was a struggle, you guys. It was it was hard for me um, to just let go of that because it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, I, I, need, I know I need to, to, to trust God in this. And, and so I felt I was trusting God for a while, but I really wasn't trusting God. And so um, there was times like, like with our living situation where we're at now, just life stress is getting away. And so what does that look like? There's times when we're, we're up or we're down and just for a long time being busy. My, my wife and I are both really busy, really in, involved at work and stuff like that. And especially you guys can imagine, I'm, I know I'm preaching the choir here with you guys with, with school and COVID, right? This whole last year or two has just been crazy. So with this, um, I felt that there was... Um, there was a time when I got up in the morning that God said, I, I got up to study, and he's like, I don't want you to study. It was just really uh, convicting. He said, I, I want this time. He said, I don't, I don't want this time just today. Um, kind of pretty much, I, I always want this time. And so... Um, it was it was hard. I don't know. I didn't know how to to, to deal with that because like I I didn't realize how how much I was holding on to just stuff. So uh, I made the choice just to every morning to get up and go start to read and go start to pray. And I gotta tell you, it was interesting how just the long term effect of this has just made my my walk with God, made the problems um, just in life just steady, but there was really no more of a lot of just the, the up and down just turmoil and garbage, you know, um, stuff that would surface, say, in with, with work or with marriage or kids and stresses, it's still there, but I found the way that I tend to manage it is is just so much better because of, of that morning time with, with God, you know. And I've always been a proponent for reading the Bible. Um, and, and, and Brian knows that I'm just, you know, I'm like a Bible guy, Bible guy, Bible's important. But it is. But truly it was a change for me to really put, um, put that to the test and prove it, right? So what, what did that look like for me? Um, it was a time where, where I, I think over this, I look back and... I'm growing like finally to just um, I look forward to those times in the morning because it's a it's a it's an intimacy that I've never had before with God over the the long run with stuff where I go and and have you guys ever had those times in the morning where you know you're supposed to read so you do it but you find out sometimes it's out of like obligation well I've I've done that a lot but it's it's different for me now like sometimes it's out of obligation but when I start to read it's like okay Lord thank you I'll pray, just Holy Spirit, help me to read, uh, help me to understand what I'm reading, help me to get into it, and, and you know, like what we're supposed to do, get, get new information out that, that, that you, um, that you're going to show me. And so that's usually followed up every morning by just a time in prayer, and just I'll let it go to, to whatever he wants to, to talk about. And some mornings are rushed, some mornings aren't, but man, just what a change for me that's been, and obviously there's, there's still life struggles, but, um, I think the biggest thing for me, and this is what I want Justin to share. Justin's a high achiever. 
So it's one of those things for him to let go of something is a, is a, is a huge deal. Mm. Um, and so it's one of those things that he can kind of just go off his Christian past. You know, hey, I'm a Christian. You know, I've read the Bible a lot. But right now I'm super busy. And this isn't a normal test. Um, what's the test for? Because I always forget your level. You're a captain. Yeah, I'm a captain. Right now. And it's, this is for, for battalion chief. Battalion chief. Yeah. This is high level stuff. Um, and he easily could have been like, I've been a Christian for a while. I know the Bible. I know I'm getting a little anxious. I know, but to control it for us, I have to pass this test. I have to do I, 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 I. And I remember the reason I want you to share it because you told me, you're like, I need to put it in God's hands. Like, if he wants me to pass, I'll pass. Yeah. I can, I can study enough, but let me dedicate that to him. And here's what's been cool just to see as a friend. I just want to encourage you guys with this because some of us are living at certain anxiety and we think, I don't have time to read the Bible. But then we live at this level of anxiety or conflict or or things going on, and I think we miss out where God says, no, I truly want to comfort you. I truly want to strengthen you, but we're too busy. And church isn't enough as far as he wants a personal relationship with you. The other thing I've seen is you're less anxious. The problems are still there. In our conversation, you're less anxious. The other thing, too, is your eyes now are open to spiritual things, not just passing this test. Mm -hmm. Because didn't you say you had a conversation with someone that's going to help you with this test? And the conversation turned into like a spiritual Yeah. Thing. And so God's giving you opportunities in the midst of this test saying, no, I still want to do things with you, right? Yeah, I think that's that was maybe the, one of the biggest just epiphanies for me was was this. It's important for me, right? It, yeah, this test is important, but the big picture for us, at, right, as Christians is, is like, it's not, it, it's, this isn't the end all be all. Yeah. Like, it's like, what's important? Our, our, uh, what's important is what Jesus told the disciples is to go spread my know the, the the good news to the end of the earth right um and to do our job here it's not my battalion chief though and that's huge so i that was just encouraging to me this is just so you know why we have elders this isn't just a positional thing that these are guys that are dedicating their lives and for us to try to live in as an example where we live in an example we're not just telling you we're living this example out and i was just super proud of you and and um be praying for him it's a big big test coming up but also just to remind us, because some of us are that same way. We've got 10,000 things going on, and God becomes an option. And there's so many things we miss. And, yeah, your life's pretty good, and you'll probably pass whatever you're going to do, and you'll get everything done, but you might miss some of the most important things that God wants to do. So I just thought it was a great reminder. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Hey, everyone, where's your microphone, dude? Is the microphone on? What? Oh, you're not doing the headset, the power headset. You're going to, this way you can move around, you know, throw things, things like that. Hey, let's, uh, let me, I'm going to pray for Ephraim and um, let's get ready uh, just to hear what God wants to say through him. Jesus, thank you for Ephraim. Thank you for his passion for the word. Uh, thank you for the way he just plainly says things that sometimes we need. And um, guys, pray you give us right now the hearts to hear. Sometimes we can come to church, it's a phenomenal service and we leave and we miss it. And it's not because of the worship. It's not because of the message. Our hearts are just distracted or hardened. Or God, I pray you just help us to hear and absorb the amount of wisdom and love that you desire. As much as a mom loves their children, you create us. You, that's 10,000 that. And so you desire to speak to us, to love us, to encourage us, and to strengthen us for what's ahead. And so, God, just use the, the passage and Ephraim this morning to do that. In your name, amen. So today is Mother's Day. I have a mother. She's there. Hi, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. I'm very bad at giving gifts, especially on things like Mother's Day. 
and then Brian asked me to also preach on Mother's Day, so I'm not sure today will go well for me, but I hope so. Ask my wife later, and she'll tell you if it was a good day or not. All right, um, today we are going to be in 1 Samuel, chapter 1, if you guys want to make your way there, that way you're ready when we start reading, that would be cool. Um, so we normally break into small groups and have a few minutes of discussion kind of at the first part of our sermons. Today we're not going to do that. I'm going to ask two questions, think about them, and then uh, just one or two people respond, and then we'll go from there. First question is, can you think of a personal hero, hero in your life that you have learned from their example? And so if anybody can think of somebody and then think of a way that they've learned from somebody's example, just put your hand up or shout it out, or if not, I'm going to make Aiden answer. So anybody, nobody's got a hero. Awesome. Awesome. So if I'm hearing you right, you learned from him by watching him, by hearing some of the stuff that he says, and then maybe not direct lessons, just lessons from the side, watching how he interacted with your mom or other people, right? Okay. So that is the way most of our examples work. When we have heroes or people that we're trying to learn lessons from, we learn by watching them, listening to them, uh, looking at you know their successes and how that's helped them, or looking at their failures and deciding not to do those things, right? So the whole Bible is set up to provide instances of people where we learn about them, and then we do exactly what John did with his dad. We look at what worked for them, how they interacted with God, how they interacted with other people. So we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament today, and what we want to do is we want to try to figure out who the story's about, what they did right or wrong, and then we're going to try to learn from that. And by the way, when we're reading the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, this approach to reading the Bible always works. There's a, a lot of wonky ways to read the Bible, and sometimes it's, it's really easy as, for us to read stories, especially like in the Old Testament, and it's just this very religious, spiritual, almost esoteric reading, and we don't know what to do with it. But if we can just step back, we're going to try to look at something from a very just practical point of view, and then see what we can learn from it. Uh, okay, so let me set the stage a little bit for the story we're about to read. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 1. You've got three main people involved. You have a guy named Elkanah, and then he's got two wives. One is named Hannah. One is named Penina. So in the first few verses of the chapter, we learn that Penina has a bunch of kids. She's got a bunch of sons, and she's got a bunch of daughters. Hannah has no kids. So we're going to start reading. Let's uh, start reading in verse... Let's start in verse 3. And remember, we're going to try to look for the main character and certain situations that is happening with them, and then we're going to try to learn from those situations. So verse 3. Now this man, talking about Elkanah, used to go up year by year from his city to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. 
though the Lord has closed her womb. So there's one thing. Uh, if you're reading along, highlight it or write it down. That'll be important for later. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped ahead. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Hannah wept and would not eat. So what you have is you have Elkanah, the husband, these two wives, one of them, Penina, she's popping out babies all the time. Hannah, she cannot get pregnant because the Lord has closed her womb for some reason. So who do we think is the main character of the story? I'm going to just break this down with you guys how I do personally when I'm reading the Bible. So who's, who's the main, main character so far? We would guess it's Hannah. Yeah, correct. And we just learned a few things about Hannah. What are they? I'm, I'm used to teaching in a youth setting, so it's okay with me if you guys just yell at me back. Otherwise, I feel like I'm, I don't know, very awkward. Okay, okay, so her, her womb is closed. Why is her womb closed? Because God did it. Okay, what else we learn about her? Yeah, she's got a sister wife that's mean to her. Anything else we learn about her? Husband loves her. Okay. She got she gets some special treatment from her husband. Okay. And then one other thing in this first part of the verse is we see that her family annually goes to this place called Shiloh to do these sacrifices and do this kind of religious thing that they were a part of. It's really interesting when families used to go, we don't do stuff like this anymore where we take a big animal to church and sacrifice it and cut it in half and burn part of it and do weird stuff with it. When they did this a long time ago, they would bring this animal. They had this big kind of uh, religious institution where they would sacrifice the animal, and then it was, it was neat the way that the meat from that animal got divvied up. The priests would keep some. The temple would keep some. But also the family would keep some. So in the first part of the story, we see Elkanah taking his family to their churchy thing that they do. They make their sacrifice. Penina has a bunch of kids, so he divvies up a portion of this meat from the sacrifice give some to Penina, and it's enough for her, and it's enough for her kids. But then he goes to Hannah, who has no kids, and gives her extra. So this is the start of, uh, have you guys seen the show's Sister Wives? Just on a side note, this isn't part of my thing, it's not one of my points or anything, but anytime you have sister wives or multiple spouses, it doesn't normally work out well. The moving forward, this, this is the start of the drama in the story, Hannah and Penina, Married to the same dude, so we have this struggle and a juxtaposition between these two women. So when you start comparing these two women, you see this is a difference. You see Penina, who's fulfilled as a mother, and she gets an appropriate amount of provision from Elkanah, right? Elkanah gives her a portion of their sacrifice, for enough for her and her kids. But then you have Hannah, who's made fun of by Penina and put down and provoked, she's unfulfilled as a mother. God's closed her womb. The, what she desperately wants is to provi provide a baby or a son to her husband, but she can't because God's not allowing it. She really wants to, but God won't let her. O only different than Penina, she's got this special type of provision from Elkanah, right? She, it's an extra blessing to her. It's a little bit of extra love. It's a little bit of extra attention. It's a double portion of this thing from her husband. We learn a couple things from this. And this is the first point I want to make kind of in these first few verses. You can't compare your situation to other people's situations. 
in, in these first verses, we see uh, some animosity between Hannah and Penina. And I think it's safe to assume that Hannah was less, she felt less than Penina, right? Penina can have children. Her, as a, just a woman, her body's working correctly, whereas Hannah, for some reason, can't. Penina was giving her husband babies. Hannah was giving her husband nothing. If you think about this, at first, Penina seems like, uh, as when I was a kid, sorry, Mom, if my mom encountered a, a very mean woman, she would call her a mean old biddy. And I, I'm not sure exactly what that means in today's vernacular, but it seems like at first, Penina is being a mean old biddy. She's not being very nice to Hannah. She's making fun of her and provoking her because Hannah ha can't have kids. And it's not even Hannah's fault. But if you, uh, if you think about it, Penina was the one that went through childbirth. She went through breastfeeding and changing diapers and raising kids, which is hard. I mean, I don't know what it's like to have a kid, but I know what it's like to watch my wife have three of them. Okay, and not easy. Also, not easy after you have them, taking care of them and raising them up and rearing them. So you have Penina, who has had a bunch of kids, provided for her husband this thing that she thinks she's supposed to. And uh, her husband gives her just enough for her and for her kids, right? It says that he allotted a, a portion of the meat for Penina and for each of her kids. And she's kind of upset with or bothered by the fact that Hannah is getting more than her. Hannah's getting this double portion or this extra meat from their family sacrifice, but Hannah never had to go to the Lamaze class, right? Hannah didn't uh, get up in the middle of the night to change diapers and feed her babies. She didn't go through the years of breastfeeding, and she didn't do the <laughs> all the breathing things that she learned, right? So for Penina, at first, it seems like she's just being mean, but if you think about it, if you did the work of having babies and raising them and making sure they were safe and keeping them alive, you would be bothered when your counterpart, who can't have babies, who hasn't done the work that you've done, gets more than you, gets more blessing than you or more attention than you or more good things than you. So I've felt like that with other people. I've, uh, I've had friends that have come to meet Jesus and then continue for what seems like years and whatever sin that they were a part of pre-Jesus and it seems like God blesses them and blesses them and blesses them. And then I'm uh, trying really hard to read my Bible and pray every day. And somehow I get eight flat tires on the way to work. My truck only has four tires. And somehow it seems like even when I try hard or when I produce the things that God's asking me to, other people get different blessings than I do or sometimes more. So the point is that you cannot ever compare your situation to other people's situations. You can't get upset when somebody who seems less put together than you gets more from you or more from God than you do. It's uh, kind of like I tell my kids, anytime something happens with my kids, they, uh, so Killian will come and he'll say, uh, hey dad, Declan got some extra time on the Nintendo. How much extra time do I get? And I almost every time respond with, that's none of your business. 
Whatever Declan got is none of your business. You're not Declan. You're Killian. So whatever, what I give you is your business. What I give Declan is none of your business. Declan will come in and say, hey, how much candy did Killian get earlier? Because now it's my turn. I want some candy. And I say, hey, fool, it's none of your business. You know why? Because you're Declan and he's Killian. You guys don't always get the same stuff. I feel like uh, when we are resentful towards other people because it seems like God is working with them better than with us. And we're bothered by other people's blessings when it seems like we're the ones doing the work or we're doing the right things and doing what we're supposed to. Yet people who don't always do the right things and what they're supposed to are getting the blessing of God. We get bitter. We get resentful. And I believe God responds to that by saying, guys, it's none of your business. Somebody else gets more than you. or Somebody else is in a better position. Or if somebody else looks worse than you and God is interacting with them what seems like better than he is with you. It's none of your business. We don't get to compare our situation to theirs. We should be happy for them and pursue God on our own without letting that bitterness and resentment creep in. Does that make sense? So, we have Penina, who I think is justified a little bit in her, maybe her feelings of resentment towards Hannah. Maybe not her actions, maybe not by provoking her and being mean and making fun of her, but I get that I can understand why she felt like that. And then on the other hand, you have a Hannah. Who all she wants to do is the right thing. She wants to provide a son to her husband. But she can't. God, for some reason, has closed her womb. She can't have babies. And she's got this sister wife, Penina, who just keeps having them. But then Hannah can't. And so the kind of the point, when what we can learn through these two people is that we, we don't have a reason for, like, there's nowhere in the text does it say that Hannah had done this grievous sin years ago, so God had closed her womb, right? Or Penina did this really good, great thing, or she was super righteous, or she was very nice, or whatever. She didn't earn her womb being opened from God. So the point of that is that God doesn't have a cookie-cutter relationship with all of us. What he does for Andrew isn't necessarily what he's going to do for me. What he does with Pastor Brian isn't necessarily what he's going to do with me. So the point, this whole, the, my whole spiel right now is that you don't compare your walk with God to other people's. Okay, if God's blessing other people, be happy for them. Don't be bitter. Don't get resentful. Don't provoke them. Even internally. You don't even have to do that out loud. We I do that inside my head. I never go to somebody and say, hey, I'm upset with you because you're blessed for me. Hashtag too blessed to be stressed, right? No, that happens in my head. I provoke them. I'm mean to them. I talk trash on them in my own mind. It's my own heart issue, right? So if you feel like that, if you are comparing your life to somebody else and either you're upset because they have more, because God's done more for them, or you feel like, it's not fair that they get a special kind of blessing when they're not doing the work that they're supposed to. You have to stop. You have to realize God's saying that's none of your business. Stop comparing yourself to other people's. Second point that I want to make out of the story with Hannah and Penina is that if you can't control it, stop trying to. So sometimes God allows and even causes things in our life that are really painful and difficult and sad or hard or not fair, sometimes heartbreaking 
And that's hard for us to struggle with or to wrestle with as Christians because, I mean, why was Hannah barren? Because God closed her womb. She didn't do anything to become barren. It wasn't a punishment. For whatever reason that we probably won't know, God decided to close her womb. One major theme and lesson that we learn over and over in the Bible is that God allows very difficult things to happen to people. And it's not clear why. And it doesn't always get better. So some of you, I mean, when I was a kid, anytime people would present the idea of Jesus or walking with God to me, it was because if you do that, if you walk with Jesus, you can go to heaven. Or if you walk with Jesus, you won't have to go to hell. Or if you walk with Jesus, he'll make your life better. Right? Some people on TV even promise you will get healthy and wealthy and more handsome. I've tried some of those things, at the very least just to get my hair to grow. And none of, none of that happened. The Bible's full of stories about hardship. I mean, think about it. Job lost everything that he had. Elijah, he was hunted by this evil queen. He lived in a cave for years, hardly anything to eat. That doesn't seem like the blessings of God, per se. Right? Noah, we read, we read these stories, especially about Noah, and we think, oh, Noah's such a cool guy. He built this boat and saved all the animals and saved all the people. He's working on that boat for a long time. Him and his, him and his kids. Imagine doing a construction project with a couple of your kids for years, I mean 20 to 30 to 50, 100 years, a whole lifetime with just your two knucklehead kids or your three knucklehead kids. or your, You can only work with your family, and that's hard. Okay, That's difficult. That's not fun. I'm sure Noah, the whole time he was building the ark, wasn't saying, God, thank you so much for this blessing of being able to swing a hammer with my boys and build this boat. No, that's hard. It was hard work. It probably wasn't fun or enjoyable for him. You look at all the apostles, all of them died bad. None of them had a big house with lots of money or cool cars or blessings or really comfortable lives. And even Jesus, the son of God, comes and he doesn't have all the good stuff. He doesn't have all the blessings that people murdered him on a cross. And yet, every one of these people trusted God and had some sort of peace and some sort of fulfillment throughout their whole lives because they trusted and walked with God. Part of being a Christian is trusting God through areas of our lives that we don't control. One thing that helps me do this is uh, the way that I try to I try to pay a lot of attention to how I place value on things in my life. Um, for a long time, I was convinced that the good stuff in my life or the good stuff that you get for being a Christian is things like peace and love and joy and maybe some money and, and maybe a little bit of success, or success, a little bit of wealth, a little bit of uh, a little bit of good luck here and there. Some of the blessings that we read about in the Bible, right? But these things are not the good stuff of the Bible. They're bonuses. They're perks. They're extras. The the one truly good thing, the one blessing that's in the Bible, the primary thing that we're after is Jesus. Not the things he gives us, not going to heaven, not escaping from, you know, the clutches of hell. The point of the gospel 
is that we get Jesus. So we're going to read sort of a, there's a really beautiful almost metaphor for that coming up in these verses. There's a, if you want to jump ahead to verse 8, let's uh, read through it real quick. And Elkanah, her husband, her husband said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? So this is sort of what God is saying to all of us all the time. Elkanah tells, I mean, Hannah's heartbroken because she can't give him a son. He doesn't seem too bothered by that. He's already blessing her and giving her special provisions and giving her a little extra. And she's really bummed because she doesn't feel fulfilled as his his wife. And he says, look, the, the point is not giving me a son. The point is me. Am I not more to you than 10 of these things that you're trying to give back to me? Am I not more to you than 10 sons? I feel like God is saying that to us all the time. Am, am, am I not more to you than your career or than your success or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your booger or your boo or whatever you call your significant other? God is saying, am I not more to you than either what you have or what you've been asking me for? This is the... That's the point of the gospel is God saying, hey, I'm, mo- I'm worth more to you than the whole world. I have things, I have blessings that I can give you that will be helpful and that you will enjoy and that you will love. And they're awesome for our lives, but they're not the point. Jesus is the point in the same way that Elkanah was trying to teach his wife. I'm the point. You got me. I'm your husband. So for us, regardless of what we get or don't get from God, getting him is the point, not getting his stuff. Sometimes for us, we struggle with the, uh, with seemingly good things, right? Like, uh, you know, we, we want the good blessings of God. And sometimes, though, on the other hand, we, it's not the blessings that he has that we're after. We skirt away from God because of just our own devices, things that we want to do. If I would have been Hannah in this story, as soon as Penina started provoking me, there's maybe 10 things that I would have done for sure. First of which was punch her in the mouth. If she was a dude or if I was a girl, whatever. That got super weird. If it, not because she's a girl, just somebody else comes at me and I'm already a little heartbroken and perturbed about something, I'm a little aggressive. I'm going to swing on them. I'm fired up. We used to say, put up your chucks. That's what I would have told her. Put up your chucks, fool. I would have been angry. And if that didn't work, if that didn't make me feel better, I would have went and got a 30-pack of beer. Not like microbrewery weird stuff. I would have been white trash, whatever said light at the end of it and cost me less than five bucks. I would have got cases of it and went and started slamming them. Or I would go get high. Or I would go to the bar. Or years ago, if, if I didn't feel like I got what I needed from God, it would be an excuse for me to go do whatever I wanted. So one of the most beautiful things that we learn from Hannah's example here is that she didn't use her situation as an excuse to go do whatever she wanted. The way I'm explaining that is it, it sounds like, oh, yeah, yeah, good for her. But think about it. Think about it in times when your life, when you know you're involved in some things that you shouldn't be, but you continually justify it to yourself. Yeah, I know I, maybe I should not drink as much, but if this situation wasn't at work or if this person didn't just hammer on me with stuff all the time or maybe if life was better, I wouldn't need this escape. Hannah didn't take that approach. But we do all the time. At least I have. Maybe you guys are better than me. 
I'm, I tend to think that not. Probably you guys have struggled with the same thing. So another thing we learned from Hannah is that you don't use your situation as an excuse to go do whatever you want. To delve into whatever devices that you really enjoy that you know are bad for you or you know that God doesn't like. So, we pursue Jesus because he's worth more to us than what he can give us. So like Hannah is expected to pursue and stay in relationship with Elkanah, regardless of whether or not she's having babies. Same thing with us. Regardless of what God gives us, regardless of what we think we can give back to him. Jesus is the point. Kind of in closing, um, I want to point out one other thing about Hannah's story. If you keep reading in chapter 1, you'll see that uh, Hannah winds up crying out to God and begging him for a child, namely a son. Something pretty interesting happens. Um, just after their trip, Elkanah takes them home. And uh, it says that God remembered Hannah. He remembered her prayer. God remembered what she prayed, that she prayed for a son, and he opened her womb. But here's the thing with that, is that at the time God remembers her prayer, does she have her son? Is she holding her son? Does she have him? No, she's got nothing. She may not even known that God had remembered her. She prayed for a son, and God opens her womb, her, her womb, her single womb. She's pretty sure she didn't have multiple. God opens her womb, and she conceives. Does she have her son yet? Is she holding her son? Does she have the thing that she asked God for? No, and even then, just because it's in her belly, it's not promised to her. Today, we have children that are stillborn or women that miscarry. In ancient history, I mean, the percentage of babies that didn't survive was so high. So just because she had conceived, just because there's a baby in her womb now, she doesn't have the answer to the prayer that she was so desperately asking God for. In verse 20, it says, in the course of time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. This, kind of the prefix for this verse is the statement, and in the course of time. That, that short part of a sentence needs to be at every thought that we have about what God might do in our life, is that there's a course of time for it. Normally when I'm praying, especially if I'm desperately needing something from, from God, this is what my prayer sounds like. God, thank you. Forgive me. Give me and hurry up. Please go faster because I need it right now. God doesn't uh, seem to pay much attention to my requests for expedience. He takes his time. It seems like sometimes when I really need him to do something for me right now, he drags his feet. When God does things in our lives, like changing things for us or giving us what we're most desperate for, or when we need a mirror, when we really need something from God, when he works in our lives that way, he rarely does it right away. Rarely does it in an instant. That's why stories of miracles where somebody grows a new leg or something happens like that, and it's miraculous. Everybody's, that's so exciting. And that's exciting because it's a rarity. 
typically when God is working with us, it's slow. It's a process. Hannah had to be patient in that process. She had to trust God, not just when she was praying, not just on the way home from her family leaving Shiloh, but from when God remembered her to when she conceived, and then almost a year later. It takes nine months to cook a baby in your belly. That's a long time to be waiting for something from God, especially when you almost have it. You can almost see it. It's like God is dangling this idea of a baby in front of her, in front of her eyes, but she can't hold it yet because she's got to trust that God will let that baby survive until she can birth it. God takes time. So there's, there has to be people here today who have been begging God to do something for them, who need help, who are desperate for some sort of miracle. When you read this story, it should encourage you that God, God hears you when you pray. God remembers when you pray. He just doesn't always answer our prayers right now. Sometimes it's a long process. If we want to be honest with ourselves about how we walk with God, we have to be okay with that. And keep praying about things. Just because God takes a long time to do things sometimes doesn't mean we have to go be silent and wait. Keep asking. Keep, I mean, over and over, God says, seek me and you'll find me. Ask and seek and knock. God gives us an open door to bug him about whatever we want. Bug him for what you need. Bug him for what you want, for what you're desperate for. And then be patient. Some people have to be patient for their whole lives. Some people, like Hannah, only have to be patient for a number of months until they get what they've been asking God for. You have to be patient. You have to slow down and let God do what he does. So, a few things that we want to remember about Hannah and Penina's story is that regardless of you're a, if you're a Penina and theme, things are seemingly going well for you in life and you're producing whatever it is you're supposed to, don't compare yourself to somebody who looks like they're less than you but gets more from God. Right? And if you feel like you're less than somebody else because you can't produce the things that a good Christian seems like they're supposed to produce, don't compare yourself to the person that looks like they're producing because God's got a special provision for you, even if you can't, even if you're barren like Hannah was. So there's not a right or a wrong person there. Both, both things can be caused by God, and that's okay. Don't compare yourself to other people. And remember, Jesus is the point. Not what he offers us, not the things that he wants to give us or anything like that. We don't pursue God for anything that's in his pockets. We pursue God for the sake of getting God. And then finally, be patient with God. He doesn't always do things fast. If you need something from him, keep waiting, keep pursuing him. The worship team's going to come up. We're going to pray real quick. And then uh, this for the second set of when we're doing worship, uh, we've got communion over here. If you're going to go take communion, think about a couple things. The, uh, one of the beautiful things about communion is that we get alone, and we, we have alone time with Jesus where we say, Jesus, I'm, I'm remembering what you've done for me, and I'm, I'm trying to commune with you spiritually. So today when you're doing that, think of ways that God has been faithful to you that when you've prayed for something it might might not have happened right away but if you can think of 
when God took a few years to do something and how that was way better for you than if he would have just answered you right away? Thank him for that. If there's things that you're still waiting on God for, take communion. Talk to Jesus about it. Thank, you, thank him for listening to you. Take, leverage that. Not all, not all churches provide that. We, we, we always want to make it available for people to come and just even probably more than hearing our sermons or engaging in worship, we want people to meet Jesus and somehow find that alone time with him where they get to commune with him. So please take advantage of that. And then as we sing these songs, just think through about how good God is. The reason that we sing songs to him isn't so we get a break from boring teaching or we get to stand up and clap or whatever. The reason we sing songs to God is because he's good. He's the point of why we're doing this. Not what he's giving us, but because he's so great. So we get together and sing songs about how great he is. So just take some time. Tell God how rad he is. How good he's been to you. Let's pray. Jesus, you're the best. God, you've been so good to each of us. It amazes me that with as many of us as, as there are, with all of our issues and ideas and whatever it is that we bring to you, you just keep letting us come and bring all that stuff to you. God, you always hear us. You always remember us. And God, I pray that moving forward as we leave, if any of us are bitter and resentful towards other people, because it looks like you're working with them differently than you thought, God, I pray that you'd heal our hearts. God, I pray that you would remind us that it's none of our business what's happening in other people's lives. God, I pray that you would help us to love each other and to love you in the way that you've taught us through your word. God, please, when we start pursuing your blessings, God, when we start looking for the good things you can do for us over and above looking for you, God, I pray that you would remind us that you are the point, not what you offer. God, thank you for being so good to us, for offering us the things that you offer us, for blessing us the way that you bless us. God, you're the best. Thank you for giving us this story about Hannah and Penina for us to learn from. In the next few minutes singing to you. We, we just want you to be stoked, God. We want you to be happy. We want you to know that we love you God, more than your stuff, more than what you can do in our lives or do with other people. It's just you. You're the best. God, we lift you up and we magnify you. We want to make you as big as we possibly can. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.